motherfucker. Inner circle, inner circle, inner circle. Get them titties out. Get them kitties out. Get them cooters out. Get them pooters out. Shit happens when you party naked. Shit happens when you party naked. Get them titties out. Get them kitties out. Get them cooters out. Get them pooters out. Shit happens when you party. Naked. Kind of nice. We've got the Cochico River like running behind the. Um, That's racist. Cochico? Hell yeah. Sounds like a racial slur, like a motherfucker, dude. Well, it actually is. It actually is a local Native American language for the N word. So watch out. Yeah. You better fucking watch it. <laughs> what, what did I say? <laughs> they got you on a list, Cochico. I said N word. <laughs> I didn't say the you word. Know you know what? I have. I've always wanted to do on a podcast, and I haven't done it in three years yet. Say the N word. It's more funny when someone calls a white person the N word than when. Someone calls a black person the N-word. It's more funny because it's not expected. Well, I, I'm adding Cochico to my repertoire, so wait yeah. until Adam gets here. Yeah, keep in mind, he's a whole ass Cochico. <laughs> dude, and then he uses Gindaloon a lot. And Gindaloon, I've stole, yeah. Dude, I've stole that from him, and I'm like, is that derogatory? Like, I definitely called... Yeah, I definitely called a friend of mine in Gindaloon like earlier this week. He, uh, We were on the phone, and he must have cut out because he was like up. He was like up in... New Hampshire, like very rural, like murder people and get away with it, New Hampshire. And uh, he dropped, and I was like, I texted him. I was like, you gindaloon, you fucking hung up on me. And he said, oh, what now? <laughs> he said, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Are we, are we at that point in our relationship where we call each other racial slurs? I was like, please, Italian's not a race. No one cares what I say about Italians. Joe B used to call me either on the way to or the way home from work, probably three to four times a week for a good long stretch. And between his house and his office, there's a stretch of road where he goes by a police, a police station and drops call every single time, like clockwork, yeah. like I'll be talking to him and it'll just be like, boom. And then he'll call me back five minutes later. and am like, police station. He'll be like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck, man. They must be running some kind of scan or some shit that fucks with his frequency, man. He should, Check his chakras and realign his chi. I feel personally attacked. <laughs> Why do you feel personally attacked? I'm all about realigning my chi. I did fucking Chinese martial arts, including Tai Chi, for a decade. I'm all about aligning my chi. Wait until this arm that's currently naked is adorned with Metatron's cube and fucking Madala fucking lotus flowers and goddamn aliens and shit. And I'm going to be all spiritual and whatnot. And I'm going to be like waving it at you. And you're going to go, fuck, oh, I can't crazy. say things like chakra anymore. You can slap people with that fucking hand and they'll be enlightened. Oh, that would be, dude, and it's my right hand too. That's my good hand. Yeah, that's your pimp hand. Yeah, it's way strong. It's way strong. Dog, shit. I know this about you already. You fucking stupid, dude. Nah, I saw you pimp slap a police officer when you were on uh, Space Cookies. You don't remember it, but you knocked that motherfucker out cold. I mean, she was only, it was a she, it was a lady police officer. She was only like 150 pounds, but you like straight up. Like, well, that's my bike. You like devote her. 
I, not that I don't believe you or wouldn't believe anything that happened when I was on Space Cookie, but your story's full of holes because we were in New Jersey and they aren't progressive as fuck to have lady cops walking around. Oh, they got lady cops in Jersey, I bet. Oh, no, they don't. They don't That's a man's them. job. Better right. ask somebody. Can't pump your own gas, so I bet it's a backward ass state. Exactly, dude. It's a backward ass state filled with backward ass people. Fuck them all. Let's get down to the real business. We are working on the second film in our Daniel Craig, James Bond, Ovoir of Films as we prepare for the November question mark release of No Time to Die. So this month, we're working on the second film. That is, you already know, Quantum of Solace. I got my Bond virgin here. One young Cristiano Watsky of the hashtag no offense show, my brother from another mother from the inner circle and he's not he's not a bomb virgin anymore he got finger blasted by casino royale last month and so we're gonna move on to hopefully we're gonna go from third base to all the way today tonight with quantum of solace baby what's good my man how's it going even though we've been talking for 20 minutes yeah i was gonna say are you recording i didn't know you were recording dude i, I hit, we were i fucking hit record soon as we're in here dude bro if i was in here for 10 minutes waiting for you i'd be recording the whole time because if i start riffing if i start spitting fire to myself if i start talking shit to my cat i want to get that shit recorded man because you never know when art is going to happen that's how art is you never know you can't plan that type of shit that's true that's true i i I just thought we were just sitting here chilling two friends conversing that's all true too yeah no that's all true too but just like the um, CIA, the FBI, the DEA, I'm recording it simultaneously. We're just two friends chatting, chatting about things, chatting about doing illicit drugs in other states um, that are federally illegal. But you know what? I'm recording it just like the DEA. It's all good in the hood. They're you got watching me saying in, Indian racial slurs and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that definitely. Cochico is definitely. We shouldn't even be repeating it now because I'm going to have to go bleep all of the instances no it's a river named cochico river it's all good man it probably means like it probably means like dirty squaw pussy in in fucking uh, indian language or some sounds shit sounds very know. problematic sounds very problematic dirty squaw pussy is almost more offensive than what i said it meant <laughs> yeah well i mean i don't know i've got i've got one notch on my belt now one bond notch yes i'm not i'm not a virgin no. like you sp- uh, originally stated but um but this uh, is the first time casino uh, excuse me this is the first time that um quantum of solace is about to run up in you though it is it is yeah. and i'm excited uh, this is a different mood than the last time because Good. the last time i was cautiously optimistic but still yeah. on the fence well, now i'm like oh, no, i'm with it i'm, I'm in okay. so unless it sucks man i'm ready to rock yeah. so it doesn't suck but it's not as well regarded as casino royale um casino royale is like a classic but it, it the problem with any movie franchise, this is not just Bond, but it certainly applies to Bond, is that um, whenever you make five movies, 10 movies, 12 movies, this applies to Star Wars, this applies to Marvel, this applies to any Harry Potter, all these fucking movies where they're going to make 8, 10, 12 movies, they can't all be winners. There's going to be a high water mark. And then if the rest are you know, good enough, then good enough but they can't all be like 10 out of 10 five star big dick masterpieces you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, well, and when you're building uh, an entire universe or entire mythology of a character, some movies unfortunately become bridge movies. You yeah, know, where it's like it's just you have to watch this one mm-hmm. to get to the next one, which is going to be banging, and the one before was banging. But this one is just kind of we're getting you there, man. Yeah. We're just getting you there. It doesn't sound like you haven't seen Quantum of Solace. It actually sounds exactly like you just <laughs> described Quantum of Solace. Actually, that was really. I mean, that was very prescient of you. It's like precognition almost. Which is also precognition of you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Quantum of Solace did face a few production issues. It was delayed due to the writer's strike that was happening in Hollywood at the time. A lot of television shows and movies suffered because the writers, all of the the writers in the uh, like Hollywood Writers Guild went on strike and they were like, fuck you, we're bouncing until we get better, whatever, working conditions, uh, benefits, maybe they wanted better dental. I don't remember the precise details because we're talking about like 2008 at this point. Um, but there was a strike. In- Potentially more kids. They wanted they wanted more high-quality kids. Uh, these are the writers, man. The producers are like, they're the ones fucking all the kids. The writers just get the scraps. I think it's all in one and the same, yeah. No, I mean, there's a, there's got to be, I feel like Hollywood is too big of an industry. There are too many people working in Hollywood for everybody to get a piece of that Wayfair cabinet pussy. It's got to be that Cochico. In fact, I think that's what Cochico means in the ancient Indian language. I think it, I think it, it's the Cochico river and it's, it's not good. Don't, don't dip your, your pen in that ink. You know what I mean? You don't want to get near that. I was actually listening to something earlier today and they were talking about a, a different scenario, but it kind of applies is that, you know, it, it Hollywood, essentially what you're saying mimics like organized crime mm. and organized crime doesn't necessarily have to involve all the grunts at the bottom, yeah. the bottom level. You know, in for fact, for any conspiracy to work. And in this case, I mean, specifically a criminal conspiracy, but uh, this obviously applies to any other conspiracy that we might talk about with our friend, Adam, the fewer people that know the better, because, uh, like with the mafia, like you said, organized crime, why do they got to whack people out? Usually the reason they whack people out is because they don't want somebody talking. They don't whack people out because they're doing good, keeping their mouth shut, making money. That's what they call an earner. That guy gets to fucking live and eat. He does well. He moves up in the organization, but loose yeah. lips sink ships. They're going to fucking cap that motherfucker right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. So uh, you did describe Quantum of Solace very well. It did uh, suffer a little bit of like setbacks. And I think they they did try to, I mean, they tried to um, like hurry up with the production. I don't think it was completely written. And in fact, um, reports were that due to the writer's strike, there were like extensive onset rewrites. And by that, I mean, the director was kind of coming up with stuff every single day. Like every day he's no like, um, shit. let's do this. Like, no shit. That's, uh, that kind of sounds awesome though, because you never know, like as an actor where it's going to go, I, you know? I, and it could be, it's like, I was just saying a minute ago, you never know when art is just going to happen. So to me, that method of filmmaking is uh, either a hit or miss. It's a big gamble. It could produce something that's really wonderful uh, if, if the stars align, but it could also be a giant waste of fucking money. If you film a bunch of stuff, you pay a bunch of people, you buy a bunch of catering to feed everybody on set that day, and right. you wind up throwing out a whole week worth of shit because you're like, ah, I don't really like where that particular part of the story went. Let's chuck that. 
So, and it could kind of hinge on how the guy's feeling in it at like any particular moment too. Like one yeah, day he might be feeling sure. a certain way and the next day he like had a bad day or didn't get a good night's sleep. And he's like, man, fuck this movie. And then he writes like a whole bad thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the movie uh, from back in the 90s, Shakespeare in Love? I saw Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, I saw it in the theaters. I haven't seen it since though. So it's like 98 or whenever it came out. I saw it in the theaters though, yeah. Well, what you said had it, uh, I dusted off my my faulty hard drive archives here and remembered a part in that movie where uh, Shakespeare was actually writing pages of, uh, I believe it was Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. and they were like learning the pages as he was writing them, and they were all excited when he had a yeah. new one done. They run up and they grab one, and they're like, hey, we can progress a little yeah. bit more. You're actually saying that this is what happened in like, what, 2010? Yeah, for sure. And um, I That's mean- crazy. For that to happen in a scenario, I mean, it's not like a, it's a crazy thing if you're talking a uh, Bond film. I mean, this is like the 20, yeah. this is like the 22nd Bond well, film it, at the time, but it's well, a major, it, it's a multi-million dollar picture. They don't, I mean, they don't do that with, with expensive pictures. They budget everything. They're not yeah. going to want to shoot for a week for stuff that they're just going to throw away for a cheap film. I mean, we're talking about indie filmmaking that you would have seen in the sixties, seventies, Jean-Luc Godard or, um, uh, Fellini or something like that. Some of these French new wave auteurs or, or you know, somebody, uh, somebody like, uh, yeah, I know you're, you're a big Fellini guy. I can tell by the background, but no, let me put it to you in a way okay. that you, you maybe that, that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, mid nineties, Kevin Smith, when he's, yes. he's making his films, on his own dime clerks at least was made on his own dime. And so he did have a shoestring budget, but because he's paying for everything, he can also kind of make things up as he goes and he can, he can kind of let stuff happen. I mean, clerks is famous that like Dante was supposed to get shot and killed at the very end. You know, he wasn't even supposed to be there. Oh, that sure, day. Really? Yeah. The, the original ending and they filmed it. In fact, it's on the special edition of the DVD that I own. He gets shot and fucking like, the last image of the movie is like him fucking laying there dead as the guy shoots him, robs the store and then leaves. It's, it's a miserable ending and they made the right decision by not using it. But fact is it costs them money to shoot things with a big motion picture, like quantum of solace. They don't want to do that. So I think there was a little bit of like negativity going into it because people were kind of concerned that they didn't have their shit together. It felt very much like they didn't have their shit together. And so people were worried on top of that, it came right after Casino Royale. So like I was saying a moment ago, they can't all be 10 out of 10. And if the previous entry in the series was like 10 out of 10, like, holy fuck, that was one of the best Bond films ever. Way to really reinvent Bond and set the tone for where Bond is going to go in the 2010s. This film came out right after and was okay. You know, it's, it was a decent continuation. Well, one, I, I mean, I don't know if it's just in the title or whatnot, but I mean, quantum to me tells me that it's going to have some sort of maybe uh, uh space element to it or some sort of uh, uh cosmic flavor. Yeah. Do which not is hold, my do not hold your breath on that one. No, no. Fuck. Damn. I'm, so, allow me to speculate. I'm, yeah. Again, I'm completely optimistic. I, I don't want you to go in to the film hoping that it's like DMT psychedelia. Uh, it's, it's definitely, yeah, 
it's definitely laser on the moon is there a shark with a laser no this is this is the realistic bond like i told you there's no sharks with lasers there's no moon fighting with satellites it's all and in fact this film quantum of solace just to to set the table a little bit for you is even more realistic in my opinion than the previous bond i mean he still had some gadgets they were all realistic gadgets but he had the outfitted car the tricked out car that had the um that had sure. the uh, defibrillator in it and different like pens for norepinephrine and stuff like that. So like he could, you know, and he had like the gun. I mean, he had stuff, right? They outfitted him in the, in the, the, the first movie in Casino Royale, but in Quantum of Solace, it's like they went even more gritty with it and they kept it down to earth. I mean, like there's definitely some like grit to it. This is actually probably one of the more gritty Bond movies. And I want you to go into it. And any of our viewers or listeners who are, are listening and haven't seen it yet, go into this film uh, with the uh, knowledge that this is a revenge film. This is the only James Bond film. Oh, yeah. In, oh, oh, girl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was going to say is this is the only James Bond film in the history of James Bond films to pick up immediately after its predecessor. All of the James Bond films are always kind of loosely connected. In fact, very loosely connected until Daniel Craig became Bond. Now they've been a little bit more tightly connected, but even still, um, when we watch Skyfall, it doesn't pick up immediately after Quantum of Solace ends. Quantum of Solace, and I think maybe some people... Uh, rated the film a little bit more poorly because they were expecting that it would be a separate Bond adventure, that it would be not as connected to Casino Royale as it was. So it does feel like a bookend to Casino Royale, but it's a much more personal, like Bond is very personally invested and um, he does murder some people in some pretty gruesome, grimy ways in this film. He's like really, he's there to kill motherfuckers and, and he does kill motherfuckers in some pretty gnarly, brutal ways that are that are kind of uh, satisfying to watch. Um, it's pretty cool. Do people not like the fact that it's it's uh, connected like that? Because you some, said it might have been rated yeah, a little some, bit poor or a little bit more poorly or whatever. Yeah, some people don't. Uh, some some folks do. Like I do. I loved Casino Royale. I loved the ending. Um, he gets you know like this is kind of like I loved how it ended like a cliffhanger. If they hadn't picked up immediately where Casino Royale ended, I don't think I would have been upset because that was a very satisfying ending, even though it ends like right as Bond's getting the bad guy. Um, well, you say too, you weren't expecting it. So, I mean, if it didn't, yeah. you wouldn't have been you know, disappointed. Or yeah, anything. but I think it did kind of defy some people's expectations in that people were expecting a, a different Bond picture than what they got with Casino Royale. Uh, based on the history of the Bond films, people were expecting each Bond film to be its own unique adventure that was not tied to a previous film, that was really only loosely connected. And it really, the, the connections between Bond films are really just uh, typically, yeah. usually it's the same guy playing Bond. It's not always. Sometimes they get a new guy to play Bond. And then mm-hmm. um, some of the other cast members like M tend to recur or money penny, but they've recasted all of these people over the years, of course. And, um, so they're really a very loosely connected series until the Daniel Craig's and quantum of solace set that tone quantum of solace picking up immediately upon the end. I mean, it, it happens not, it picks up not five minutes after the end of casino Royale. And I, while I don't think it was necessary, it does kind of give bond some closure to that part of his life. And it continues that sort of, trajectory of him still becoming 
the bond that we saw in the 60s. The Connery bond was already fully formed. He was already a barely functioning alcoholic who abused women and was really a very nihilistic misanthrope and uh, was really fine with killing anybody who crossed his path. And and it, with the first two Bonds, we get to see him on that arc kind of becoming that character. And he's a little mm-hmm. bit more fully realized by by the time Skyfall happens. Although Skyfall being the third in the series does kind of finish setting up the, the classic Bond scenario. But um, Quantum of Solace does a good job at what it does. I think you're probably going to, like going into it with the foreknowledge of what to expect, I think is going to help you. Um, like enjoy the film and uh, it is it is a pretty good movie I, again if you're expecting the right thing from it I think well I mean I just I, I'm still left baffled at why they would call it quantum of solace when there's no quantum space jumps and there's yeah. no quantum leaps and there's no <laughs> I quantum anything I, I feel mean, you well there is a quantum I, I, there is a quantum something but it's not like Ant-Man style quantum it's uh, it's an organization uh, you know how the, the evil organizations always have to have a name in these films. So Quantum is the name of this this evil organization, this shadow organization that was pulling the strings all Come throughout on. Casino Royale. Well, and Are think about it. Think about it the other way too. Portal guns or something? Are they doing mm. something nefarious like that? That could be like quantum spacey kind of thing. No, they're you got to. You got to. Like Half Life. Dude, you have to let go of the space stuff. The Quantum of Solace. So. Call it quantum then. Come on, man. Let me let me add to that. So every Bond film, not every one of them, but every one of them up to a certain point, right around the time of God, it must have been the mid eighties. I think maybe it was a Timothy Dalton. I don't think Goldeneye was the first Bond film that was not it didn't follow one of Ian Fleming's books. Of course, Ian Fleming is the author who invented James Bond and the entire Bond like universe. And he wrote quite a good deal of books in the fifties and sixties about James Bond, uh, live and let die, um, a view to a kill, uh, thunderball, uh, diamonds are forever. All of these, the spy who loved me, all of these films, these bond films are at least loosely based on the books and they bear the same name. So he also uh, published some collections of James Bond short stories. So Quantum of Solace is the last James Bond film that's been released with a name that is drawn from the name of a James Bond uh, story. So the stories are really nothing in common. They didn't, they just took the name. Basically they said, okay, there's this Ian Fleming short story that he wrote called Quantum of Solace. We're going to take the name because it sounds good. It's more about him um, like I said, it's about him getting closure from uh, Vesper's murder and the organization that uh, really kind of robbed him of this this love of his life, this true love, and this chance at kind of like a normal happy life. So the quantum of solace is that small piece of like it's a small solace that he gets from taking this organization down. It's that small bit of like he's going to feel a little bit better from taking these motherfuckers out. Then they had to be cute and call the organization quantum to tie it, to kind of tie it in. I think that was them being cute. I think the quantum of solace, the name really, what's that? No, I said, well, they fucking failed. They need to have spaceships. They're going to call it quantum. You ain't cute, bro. I'm just going to send you a copy of interstellar. All right. It's one of my favorite movies. You don't have to send me a copy. Granted, I don't have it on Criterion 4K. Like they didn't release like. it on Criterion, but I think they've put it out on 4K, and I think you should maybe look into that because it's Interstellar is a movie that benefits from 4K resolution and, and audio quality. 
That yeah, would look great yeah. on your television. You got a big ass TV. Why are you watching shit on DVD? Get the fucking 4K where it looks fucking it amazing. Maybe I stream. It's 2020, oh, guys. Why for you not, please? They don't stream 4K. They don't stream. Some of the shit on Netflix is 4K. Some of the shit like Marco Polo and stuff. But you're not. Come on. You watch Interstellar. Who's watching Marco Polo? I don't know. I watched Marco Polo. I thought it was pretty good. Well, you a nerd, dude. I'm a whole ass Chinaman. What you want from me? I think you've set the 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 tone and you've set the stage for wildly mediocre Bond films. So I'm I'm again mm. my bar is low, so it's going to be easy okay. to, uh, to succeed over that man. Yeah. I, I've got I would, hopes. Yeah, I would not call it uh, wildly mediocre. I would not. I just had a like minor stroke right there. I would not <laughs> call it wildly mediocre. I would call it. I mean, it's not as good as Casino Royale. It's not as good as Skyfall. The problem with Quantum of Solace is it comes after Casino Royale and before Skyfall. It's like the middle child syndrome. Like if that was your only kid, that would be fine. But the fact is the firstborn is Casino Royale. The youngest is Skyfall. It doesn't get better than that. But the good news is it's better than Spectre. Well, let me let me let me put it to you like this, okay? And then we can actually go watch it. Star Wars, the original trilogy. Yeah, people yeah. obviously loved the first one, yeah. and they really, I think, the general public really liked Return of the Jedi in the day. And it was because to me, it was because of all the characters. It was a lot visually mm-hmm. to look at, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back in the day, as far as I know, was very widely regarded as a letdown. And Empire Strikes Back is my favorite of the trilogy. Most people today say Empire is best. Well, well, what I'm getting at is, does this have the potential to be my favorite of these new movies because I'm going in thinking it's going to be a letdown? Possibly, yeah. Um, I would be. That make me flawed because obviously everybody hates it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The answer to that is definitively yes. <laughs> Emphatically yes. 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 That if you like Casino, or excuse me, if you like Quantum of Solace, I can't even say the name right. I'm like just Casino Royale. You're blocking yeah. it out because you're thinking about spaceships now. I I don't know why I would be thinking about spaceships now either. That's so random. No one could have Quantum. possibly put that in my fucking head five minutes ago over and over Quantum. again. Quantum. Quantum. Flashing screen. So. Quantum. Quantum. What I what I do want to say is that Quantum of Solace is not mediocre. It's a good film. It's better than a lot of films that were released that year. It's better than a lot of films that you're going to watch in 2020. The problem is it's not as good as Casino Royale. It's not as good as Skyfall, but it's an enjoyable film. And I think the fact that, um, well, I think actually it probably gets a little bit more love now than it did a decade ago because it's had a little time to age and mature like uh, Empire Strikes Back did. And Empire Strikes Back is everybody's favorite now. People understand that the second part in a trilogy is oftentimes the best. Mm, that's true. But it's but, not I mean, It's not for Casino Royale, or it's not for Quantum of Solace, and it's not for The Matrix. Definitely not. Definitely. Second Matrix sucked so many dicks. Big piles <laughs> of dicks. Well, I mean, this is you're you're telling me that this is going to be one of the better movies I'm going to watch in 2020 on uh, essentially the eve of Bill and Ted face the music. So, I mean, that's going to be a tall order. Um, we're going to see how that plays out. All right. Well, I- let me leave you with a hot take before we uh, we see how that plays out. I think Bill and Ted face the music is going to be trash. <gasps> that's a hot take. I think that's a pretty much universal take, Jason. I think it's going to be trash. No, people love Keanu Reeves right now because he's a nice guy and he 
kills puppy murderers in a film series called John Wick. But the fact is that as, as amazing as I think Keanu Reeves is as a person, I think he's probably an awesome person from everything I hear about him. I've never met him. I got a good buddy who met him actually and uh, hung out with him, drank with him at a bar in Japan of all places where he was playing with his band, hung out with Keanu Reeves for several hours and said he was a fucking quick. I mean, he was an amazing guy, like so down to earth, so cool, just fucking I'm sure he's awesome. Uh, Bill, uh, Bill and Ted face the music. I don't know, man. It looks like trash. Don't come at me with sequels 30 years later. Don't come at me with sequels 30 years later. Don't do it. I don't believe I spoke to you directly about this, but I do believe that I spoke about this recently. I don't give a fuck if it's going to be bad. I don't give a fuck if it's a cash grab. I don't give a fuck if it's preying on nostalgia. It is. And it is. And it is my fucking money and i'm gonna watch it and go oh man i chuckled and it wasn't good but i'm so glad i watched it. this is the reason they keep making those is because people (laughs) people go see them even if they know it's going to be garbage even if something in your heart says this is going to be garbage i need to go watch the train wreck even if it's going to be terrible i need to see it with my own eyes and that's i'm sorry that's i'll probably go see it too i don't it is what it is no george carlin fuck off George Carlin was awesome in those films. One. Yeah, that's going to be a hard one. That's going to be a tough one for me to live with. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker. But you know what? He was barely in the second one, so. Well, he was in the first one, and that's first in my heart. So I don't even, <laughs> I've seen the second one like once. I was like, meh, I don't need you right. either. That was the first time I really realized, and I know that was like early 90s, but I still, even as yeah. a young man, I was like, you know what? I don't need these fucking sequels. A lot of these sequels are unnecessary. I don't need this shit. Don't fucking feed me this shit. Dude, I loved it. I loved it just for the end. That Kiss song that they played on the stage, it was so fucking climactic, and it was just a good song. I loved it. Yeah. Well, we'll see how this one goes. Yeah, robots, aliens, fucking everything. Everything. Fucking everything. Shit. All right. Well, we'll rewatch that one when we're done rewatching Quantum Solace. You guys, uh, hang out. Listen to this little uh, commercial break. I'm going to tell you about Blue Chew and erections for your penis and uh, maybe another podcast. And uh, Chris and I will be right back to talk about what he thought of Quantum of Solace. We'll see you guys in a sec. I'm Johnny Rose. And I'm Caleb. And we are the All Bros. Connected by the world of nerd and the love of movies. We created the All Bros podcast to better understand film, along with improving our storytelling and just having an overall good time. Interested in joining the All Bros family? No? Well, too bad. Join us every Monday while we break down movies, make random stuff battle for the top spot in our showdown episodes, or pitch our own movie ideas and dreamcasts. Interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or all of them. Share us with your friends. Or enemies. We are not picky. Not even a little bit. Find us everywhere podcasts are available. And if you can't, go somewhere else. (laughs) Catch you guys on the next episode. Deuces. So long. I am a really big fan of Shit Happens When You Party Naked. You're fucking stupid, dude. Bro, I just had a fucking stroke. Ah, dude, I, I drank this fucking thing before starting this episode. It was like this energy drink, but it wasn't like mad caffeine. 
So I don't like those energy drinks like the bangs and shit. They just they just fuck with me too bad. So I try not to fuck with anything that has more than 150 migs of caffeine. If it's got more than a normal cup of coffee, I don't fuck with it. Because I don't need I didn't do any. This is a Thursday night and I have to get up for work at fucking 545 tomorrow. <laughs> my child, my child, I, tomorrow is my day to get up with the child. Christina let me sleep in a little bit this morning. So if my kid wakes up at five like she's been doing, I'm up at five tomorrow. I give Jessica credit because she wakes up at five and she gets herself together while we're all still sleeping. And then I kind of get out of bed like five forty-five, six o'clock or whatever. And then the boys are getting up and shit. Like we all get up late. She gets up early as fuck just to get herself together. More power to you, Dutch. Holy shit. That's amazing. Hey, this is we'll see how long that lasts. Well shit. Um I drank this shit. It also has like other stuff in it, like Alpha Brain, you know, it has like uh nootropics and shit like that in there. Oh, like meth, according to Riley? Possibly, yeah. Maybe. I think Riley's just afraid of losing his job if he fails a drug test. That's all I think it is. When he was originally going to try hemp bombs from us, he wanted to try it so badly, but was so skittish because of that. He was like, are you sure it's not going to turn up? I'm like, yeah, bro, I couldn't sell it to you if it would. Yeah. Like, I'm not a drug dealer. <laughs> I is, wish uh, I was, but I'm not. That is very, very cute of him. Well, I mean, he works for Tony Stark, doesn't he? I don't know. Something like that. He does some weird shit. Well, Joe B said it's like the spot in your guys' area. Like everybody wants to work there and you can't get a job there really unless you know someone. Or- I don't know. Well, th- his dad works there, right? Is that how he got a job there? I, I believe so, yeah. Well, that's how he got an internship and then yeah. had it all locked. When he got out of school. Fucking nepotism, man. That's how they do you. That's how they fucking do you. That sounds like a, a Hindu uh, government style. Nepotism? Yeah. Nepotism. Is that what that is? No, it's not Hindu. It's just, it's regular, like, Western government style. It's like where you're... Where nepotism is like where you favor your family and friends and shit. Like, job interviews. <laughs> like, if I'm the CEO... And my daughter works for my company and my wife works for my company and my nephews work for my company. Then everyone's like, all right, well, how come all his dipshit family works for him? That must be nepotism. So that's, that's, I mean, really, who doesn't do that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are guilty of it. It's not a crime. It's just like one of those things that you look at, like, "Mm," you lose a little bit of my respect. You, you only have this job because of who your dad is or something like that. That's what people think when, when like Ivanka Trump is running something, they're just thinking like, eh, you just run this shit because your dad is the owner, right? Like you got a good job at Trump Towers because your, your dad is the owner. So that <laughs> is just is what it is. I got to say that background really agrees with you. Yeah. Do you like that? I need to get another light that like lights my background a little bit. I just have this one ring light that's like lighting my face up right now. And I fuck with my, I tweaked my camera settings because last couple times during Creatures, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I had like these lines behind me that were like zinging and it's because the exposure was set too high on this 4K camera. And so what I've done is I went in and I tweaked all the settings. I turned down the exposure and I turned up my light because um, it was too bright before. Like I didn't even need all that. So I just, I turned, yeah, see, light like that. I need a light like that. That's what I'm talking about right there. It's just a standard-ass floor stand light. Yeah, I'm going to do something like that so I can I can light the back. It really, right it really agrees with you. And I think it even pops off your background. 
Yeah, you know well, I mean, thank like you. on the streamyard background. Yeah, my wife doesn't care much for the giant thing. Oh, really? She's like, I want to be. She's like, I want to be you're supportive. She's like, that's awesome for you. I was like, well, oh. you're in the basement, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the little podcast corner. Cares? Come on, well, who fucking? She's like, you know, tell this, her to stay out of there. It's supposed to like be you got no, all the rest no, no. of the house. I can't. Say, uh, no, I can't say that. She's already accusing me of like this is my space and treating it like and I'm like no she this really should be like a this is a den this is like a family room and our daughter loves coming down here she got all her toys down here too I'm like no I want to make this like a family space I don't want you to feel weird about this just being like my part of the house or whatever it's not like a man cave I just have one little corner I got one little corner and I was like I want to put something kind of funky and fun and creatures like up on the wall. And she was like, all right, can we make it temporary? Can we so I'm like looking into how I can mount it on something that I can like hang up and take down real easy. <laughs> I don't know. It takes up like a crazy amount of the wall too. Like next time you come it's visit, good. dude, it it's ninety good. it's ninety fucking inches across. It's like yeah. It's like yeah, six and a half feet or some shit. It's fucking this thing is long dude, as shack. This whole room, this whole room in my house is is the studio. The children refer to it as the studio. My wife refers to it as the studio. But you know what? The children have beanbag chairs over here that they sit and chill in while I'm editing, and they play their fucking handheld games and shit. Yeah. Watch TV when I'm not recording because I got the fucking TV on the wall. Yeah. Like, but it's the fucking studio, dude. Yeah, when I, I put my... that when I put the creature shirt on, I had the creature shirt on today when I went and picked up the kids, yeah. and when I went. The, the karate place my kids came out which by the way I, the two of the people at karate were like that's an awesome shirt and i was like yeah it fucking is Fuck and man. then the kids come out and the little one goes why are you wearing a studio shirt huh. i was like oh that's the studio shirt as a fucking uniform shirt. like i'm working a minimum wage ass job yeah man you're like um i don't know like i said it i felt like uh, I felt like we were employees at Tommy Bahama one night like on our our break smoking cigarettes out back talking about aliens and shit when we all wear them, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I I like it. I wear it all the time. I love it. I love it. All right. So we're gonna do the power of editing. I'll uh, I'll say that we're back and then <laughs> we'll proceed to talk about quantum of solace. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 do this for you. Let's do this. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you doing this for me. I was, I was legit nodding off. I had I closed my eyes and I was sitting back in my chair like this. And then I heard my phone buzz kind of like I was kind of like nodding off, but not really. Yeah. And I heard my phone buzz cause I had it sitting on the laptop and I assumed it was ESPN or something like that. So I just ignored it. And yeah. then it buzzed again. And I'm like, Oh, that's the text reminder. I don't blame you for ignoring me. It's cool. It's cool. It is what it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's just what it is. It is what it is. All right, everybody, we are back. Thank you guys for, uh, Hanging out during that break. Thank you guys for checking out some Blue Chew and getting your penises hard. And through the magic of editing, we have now watched Quantum of Solace, including Chris. What did you think, man? What did you did you dig Quantum of Solace? How'd you feel about that, despite there being no spaceships or aliens? Wildly mediocre. Wildly mediocre. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hate it. It wasn't the worst movie that I've ever seen. Yeah. There was enough to keep me occupied. Yeah. But having Having watched the last one that I actually really did like, yeah, this yeah. one was a letdown. It was a letdown spot, but you prepped me for that, so I wonder if you led the witness a little bit or if it was a mm. classic letdown spot anyways. I Honestly, I think even if it was leading the witness, I think it's better for me to hold your hand and lead you to a place where you're not expecting much because honestly what happened to all of us 
who watched this movie uh, when it was brand new and didn't have any expectations was we did have expectations. We expected it to be amazing like Casino Royale. Like I can't tell you I was chomping at the bit for the sequel to <laughs> Casino Royale because I loved Casino Royale so much that when I finally saw Quantum of Solace, I was just like, is that it? It was, it was kind of a mess, dude, because yeah. like I w- I looked at – I looked at the clock about 45 minutes into mm. it and it, it's a good 90 minute movie yeah. and 45 minutes into it. I knew that there were things happening and that there were good people and bad people, but I really had no grasp on the yeah. plot. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on and why they were trying to stop these people. And it all got revealed throughout the rest of the movie. But I'm like, the fuck dude, how can you expect me to just sit here and stare at the screen for almost an hour? And I don't even know what's happening. You're saying all of the right things. Um, these are all the common complaints that, um, fans of this series, as well as professional film reviewers, uh, that write about the film have said that, um, it suffered from Daniel Craig and the director. Oh, Jesus Christ. Why can't I remember his name right now? Is it something Italian like Scarpucci Bellucci? Um, it's not Scarpucci Bellucci. It's, um, Mark Forster, Mark Forster. How was I off? I was, it's not even, yeah, it's like totally American ass name. Um, they were writing parts of the movie every day. They would write like, what's tomorrow's, what are we going to film tomorrow? What do we want to happen tomorrow? Um, I think I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, you did. That's right. So they didn't go into, they didn't go into the production with a finished script and storyboards and having shots planned and, and being like very tight and scheduled and regimented. What they did was they just, they said, we got a camera and, uh, we got some actors and we got some crew. We're burning. We're burning some uh, film. Let's just fucking let's just shoot something. What do you think would look cool? And I think that's what they came out with. Was they came out with some like cool shots, definitely like some high octane like chases and and fight scenes and stuff and action. But um, it's a lot of it was like why? Like it's hard to get into yeah. the action because it's just kind of like ah, he's chasing this guy. I don't know. What, what's he going to do with him? I don't get it. What did he do wrong? I don't fucking know. So that's a big problem we'll start, with this film. We'll start starting right off in the beginning. Like we did with, uh, with casino Royale. I mean, like I was after figuring or finding out that, um, the song was a, a big part of the movie. I was excited to see yeah. what long was for this. Cause I did, I had no idea. And then was immediately let down. Yeah. Like I went, this is not a good song. And I was, I couldn't figure out who it was. So I was waiting till the part in the credits where they said who it was. And I was like, fucking Jack White and Alicia Keys. Really? Yeah, That's, yeah. I'm all about weird mashups and weird collabs, but I'm like, it did not work. It did not work at all. No. The visuals were cool because like the desert was turning into like naked women and mm. they were like all like fucking like creating booties out of sand dunes yeah. and shit. That was <laughs> cool. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I yeah, it's like, that. it's like sand going down in an hourglass, but it forms like the, the curve of the hip and the legs. Yeah, I get it. And you're like, dude, I could fuck a cat's litter box right now. That would be fucking hot. Like if it looked like an ass, I could do that. Tidy cat cat is strangely erotic. Yeah. So uh, I'm with you. Like that song was not good. It's not, honestly, it's, it's not what you wanted it to be for a Bond film. It's everything that's wrong is that it was coming right after Casino Royale and Chris Cornell I'm sorry, you know my name by Chris Cornell from the film Casino Royale is definitely in my top two Bond themes 
of all time. It's fucking incredible. It's a banger. It's so good. Honestly, anything that comes after that, anything, even if well, Jesus touched that's it. That's what I mean. It's, it's like a classic letdown spot. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. it's, you're coming off the heels of something that, you know, was well received and yeah. it was the first installment of a new series with a new guy and everything was where it should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nowhere to go but down, you know? Yeah. And, and, but having the bad song though is kind of like that's I don't know that sets the whole tone for the the thing once you once you realize that that's as big of a part of the movie as the movie itself. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a letdown. It's like starting sex with like that eighty percent boner, and you're just like it, you're not totally pushing rope, but you're not like diamond in a nice story. Yeah, you're just kind of <laughs> like like uh, it's here. I'm probably gonna be able to finish with this thing, but it's not like a blue chew cock. It's not a blue chew boner, and so. You know, you're you're sitting there like, ah, you know, it's gonna be, I guess it's gonna be all right, but like, you know, and then you get all up in your head about it, and the whole experience is whack from the get-go, just because you weren't like rock hard at the beginning. And I feel like that's what that song does. You just like look, the whole the rest of the movie might be good. Maybe. I mean, it's James Bond. It's not gonna be bad, right? Just because the song kind of sucked. Like, eh, they can't all be winners, right? But really, you don't ever you don't make a classic film by saying, well, they can't all be winners. That's not, you know, it's just a passable film. You watch it because it's there, not because it's good, not because it's a classic. I'm with you, man. I feel that. I liked a lot of the visuals, even when I was, yeah. I don't, I, 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 I shudder to use the word bored, but yeah. when I was kind of feeling my way through what was going on, at least it was cool to look at, you know, because like, like you said, there were some chase scenes and it was, uh, it was in Italy, which I, I thought the locale was cool. You know, when they were tearing through those mm, old streets, with yeah. the old brick roads and everything and the terracotta roofs. I mean, it reminded me a lot of the, uh, Assassin's Creed games, you know, yeah. like how they were running roof to roof and jumping yeah. through windows and shit. And I thought that was pretty cool to look at. Yeah. Just didn't know why they were doing it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think visually the film, uh, looks looks very impressive they hired the cinematographer from the original born trilogy that kind of makes sense yeah they, that kind of makes they did it because his resume he made these kind of gritty sort of re, very like hyper realistic uh born films so they hired him as cinematographer and you can tell some of the fight scenes if you watch this film right after casino royale like you've done and right before skyfall you can tell the action sequences are more like um what they call it in in film is uh in film uh scholarship is cinema veritas and of course that's a french term which means that it's like a real cinema like when you watch movies oftentimes they don't have even if they look real they don't look real they have too much of a polished look to them when you're actually running when you're actually adrenaline's coursing through your veins your 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 sense of things can become overwhelmed and bewildered so the idea that a film would be like smooth and flashy like casino royale is actually kind of fake like this scene at the beginning where they're doing the parkour shit and he's chasing the the bomb maker through the thing it's mm-hmm. it's filmed very smoothly. You're following very well. Like this guy runs through this area and then Bond follows behind him. And the way they cut the the different shots and piece them together creates this narrative that's very easy for your mind to follow. 
but it's not very realistic. So Cinema Veritas tries to capture the the, the feelings. It's a more emotive kind of um, film style. It's meant to be very expressive of what's happening on screen. It should be kind of hectic and confusing. It should be. It should express kind of the level of adrenaline and stuff. So it's used a lot in those type of films. You'll see it in the Bourne films. You'll see it in um, this particular Bond film. And I think in some ways that made it interesting to look at but but because you're not following it as well and the storyline is already kind of convoluted it actually makes it it pushes you away more because you're like I don't know what's going on it's cool to look at but like an hour and a half of this I don't know why am I why am I sticking with it so I I think that you actually are on the right track that's amazing that's amazing. I, I'm happy to be on the right track with the masses. That's that's outstanding. Look, I actually wanted to really like it. When you told yeah. me that this was a generally not well-received film, I was like, bet, I hope I love it because yeah. then I'll have a counterpoint you know, to yeah. talk about you know, instead of saying all the shit that you're like, yes, I know you're 10 years yeah. late to the problem, dickhead. But no, but but you, but you you're even though you're 10 years late to the party, 12 years late, technically, I think this came out in 08, even though you're you're 12 years late to the party, you're you're arriving in fashion because you're saying all of the right things. You got all the right answers. So just in keeping with that statement, look, it's not a bad film. There are much worse movies out there. I've watched Casino Royale, or excuse me, uh, Quantum of Solace now. Um, I've probably seen it. I watched it the other day, same day as you, I think, uh, a couple days ago, actually, a few days before you. But regardless, that was probably the fourth time I've seen it. So I've still seen the movie several times. It's part of like my Whenever I'm watching the Daniel Craig movies, I will bust it out, dust it off. But it's not my favorite. It's kind of like one of those slow chapters in a really good book. You love the beginning. Maybe you love the end. But there's a few slow chapters where they have to build some stuff up that you just, you know, you get through because it's part of the experience. What was your favorite part of the movie? I mean, like, was there any particular scene or something that happened that you thought was like, wow, I did really enjoy that part? The one of the cooler parts that I did like was when they were flying and they were in that canyon, yeah. like they were kind of flying in close quarters, and then they did that parachute scene into yeah. the, into the cave or whatever. I thought that was that was a pretty cool sequence. Yeah. Um, it <laughs> here's where I'm gonna probably get off the right path. It kind of reminded me of that scene in Independence Day when Will Smith was flying the spaceship in the Hell canyon yeah. and. Just sitting there, I'm like daydreaming away from it because I wasn't really super invested in the, the you just story. So be aliens. I'm, well, I'm, I, well, I wanted it so bad though. Why did that? I, no I'm not going to go there. I'm sorry, uh, but but I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm like I'm, I'm like instead of paying attention to what what they're doing or what I'm seeing, I'm like I wonder if that's the same canyon. I wonder if they shot at the same place. Like because that looks yeah. remarkably similar to Independence Day. Oh shit! What's going on? Oh yeah. wow, they're falling now. A piece of trivia about that scene. They had to build a special rig to to mount the camera to film that dogfight, the aerial dogfight. So some of this, I mean, you think nowadays, don't they just do that with CG? They just kind of animate it. They don't even need to get real planes up there. But in this case, they did actually film. I'm sure they enhanced it with CG at, at parts and stuff. Uh, they, they do that these days. It's just what they do. But they did actually build, like, th- this is one thing I love about filmmaking, especially older films before the advent of CG made it possible for them to just animate all this stuff. They would actually have to really use some ingenuity because the creative people had said, what if we could film it like this and we could put the camera here and then we could film the the two planes dogfighting in such a way that you would go to see a movie to have your mind blown by the stuff that you were watching. 
I, I know you remember this. You remember going to see something like Jurassic Park where sure. they had to build dinosaurs. They had to build large animatronic dinosaurs. Some of it was CG. Granted, that was kind of one of the first films that really incorporated CG uh, to a large scale, but there was so much of that they did with what's called practical effects. There's something beautiful about old school filmmaking, even if it doesn't look as flashy as the Marvel movies these days. I love the idea of like this spectacle. Well, I'll, I'll do you even one better. I know you remember the uh, the classic cinema uh, movie from the 90s, The Wizard. Yeah, Fred oh. Savage and them. Yeah, I thought that was late 80s. Anyway, I do remember the film. Yeah. 89, 90, whatever, dude. Yeah. Fucking, we're splitting hairs. But point being, the, the scene in the end where they're at Universal Studios and they're running through the back lots and they go through King Kong and they go down the stairs and you can see that it's actually like hair and it's on like a, a like a scaffolding almost and it's animatronic and it's moving and shit yeah i remember being a kid going holy shit that's how they did that yeah. like I, it, it blows your mind man but yeah. like then you see the jack black king kong and it's obviously it's all computer yeah yeah it's and it's a shame too because um i know it affects real actors as well um there's kind of famously percent, yeah there's famously a story where ian mckellen actually like had a nervous breakdown crying on the set of the Hobbit because he's like, this is not why I got into acting. I got into acting so that I could act with other human beings, not pretending that they're there looking at a, um, a tennis ball on a stick where their eyes would be uh, in a, uh, in front of a green screen. This is not a craft. Yeah. This is, this is a mechanical, I mean, it's it's the way uh, Krispy Kreme donuts are extruded at uh, one thousand an hour, and they're not everything's the same, and it's micromanaged, and there's a formula. It's McDonaldization. That's a real sociological term where everything is sort of quantified, and the parameters are known, and then specified, and every burger is exactly the same as the last one because it creates mm -hmm. consistency across a brand. But the problem with that too is it robs all art. It robs the freedom of expression that varies from time to time. You can't McDonaldize this stuff. It's art. And I mean, unfortunately, they were taking an approach that I actually kind of admire with Quantum of Solace. They were trying to come up with something creative every single day and make it spontaneous and make it beautiful. Honestly, this is not the film where you do that. You do that with a, a $1 million independent film and a couple yeah, of no-name I mean, actors, and you feel it that's out. That's Hollywood, dude. That's yeah. failing Hollywood playing movie in a jar with yeah. a fucking multi-million dollar yeah. goddamn Which, franchise. Look, dude, that's fine. Because it uh, sometimes you hit gold with that approach too. How do you think Kevin Smith made Clerks? I think I mentioned that earlier in this episode as well. But Kevin Smith made Clerks and they filmed stuff and some stuff hit the cutting room floor and they filmed it different ways. And he made yeah. it on his own dime very cheaply. And he was being creative with it every single day, thinking new jokes and honestly, the movie is great, but it's not a Bond-level production of uh, $100 million. I mean, that's where they went wrong with Quantum of Solace. If you want to make an art movie Bond, well, then you get Skyfall. Skyfall is the closest we're going to get to an art film Bond, uh, both both for good, and, uh, for good and bad, for better and worse. Well, and you guys have all been, you know, pumping me up that that one is a, a big rebound picture too. So yeah. like towards the end, I was, I was, I've already like kind of write, wrote the check on this one. I don't know, hour into it, you know, I'm like, eh, this one's okay. I'm going to yeah. get through it just so we could do the thing. But the next one's going to be good. The next one I'm going to actually enjoy because you guys have all set yeah. the stage for that. That I think 
I think if anything, Skyfall might suffer for that because um, I, I'm not going to live up right now. Honestly, I really I worry about sending someone into a film with really high expectations. I went into Skyfall having come off of Quantum of Solace. I was hopeful because the minute I heard the opening bars of that Adele song, I honestly we're getting into the next episode, but oh I, yeah, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. Yeah, we gotta we got <laughs> we gotta end this one and we gotta get into the the Skyfall. We'll talk about this next month, guys, in the Skyfall uh episode. But um there's a lot of things I want to say in the pre pre Skyfall because really it's one of my favorite Bond films. But I was gonna actually say for the, the audience, they heard your favorite part. I was gonna mention my favorite part of Quantum of Solace. There's a shot. Well, I, had that I, I had another one too. Oh, you did? Please. Uh hit us hey. with your other favorite part. That was my favorite action, but then, you know, like in Casino Royale, I hit you with the just the little subtle thing when he tipped the dealer and the dealer had yeah. that line or whatever, yeah. and it kind of made me laugh. This one, it like he was tracking all those people in that the you know that organization, and they went to like an opera or like yeah. a musical, not a musical. I, I guess it was probably like an opera, yeah, or yeah, like it was a like an opera, yeah. And they were all on like their their earpieces, and they were on like a secret channel or whatever. And yeah. then he just popped in their conversation and like fucking dropped it on them. And then all their faces, and they all started getting up. That was my laugh out loud mo- yeah. moment in this movie. I'm yeah. Like, oh, that was fucking that was kind of cool, yeah. dude. And, like, I like that. Shit. And Mr. White did the smart thing. Instead of getting up and leaving, these guys, I can't believe how dumb they were to get up and leave. Because of course you're going to reveal exactly who you are to the secret agent who's watching you, who already told you that he's in your channel. Just sit there. The whole, I thought it was, it was ingenious. It was ingenious that they had that. I, when I was rewatching, I was like, oh, Chris is going to love this part because this is a metaphor for exactly the way these reptilian government overlords <laughs> do it. They don't, they don't have this fucking secret club. They're in government. They're in right in front of your face. They're, they're, they hide in plain sight, right? Right in front of you. They hide in plain sight. All of these guys, that whole that whole opera, the whole audience of that opera wasn't quantum. They were interspersed among the the opera people, and each quantum agent sure. got a special bag that had a special earpiece that would be in that channel, but nobody else had it. So they're spread across this auditorium of 50,000 people. There's maybe a dozen quantum members having a meeting, and they just look like they're watching the opera. It's dark. No one's looking at their faces. It was so ingenious. Like, wow. I, saw, I sat there thinking, what if that's how they really do it? What if that's how they really have secret meetings? They don't go in some building in the basement of some Capitol building where everybody knows they might be and anybody could bust in at any time. They go to a fucking sports game. And, and, and it's funny that you said that too about like the actual, you know, like, you know, creature-esque shit that we're into with the reptilians and the government and whatnot. Because like when they said that in the beginning, how like yeah. they didn't even know who they were going against, you know, yeah. they were like, this organization doesn't exist, but you know, but they're everywhere. And like, it, it got me kind of on that level, you know, yeah. I'm like, oh shit, this is like some fucking black nobility, some goddamn. That's exactly what it is. It was like the Saturnists, except they just took out all the supernatural stuff. They're not reptilians. They're not, you know, they're not drinking baby blood. They toned it down, but it was very much like we are. Yeah. Yeah. We've been so successful at, at masking our organization that you don't even know we exist. And I love to me, that's such a great killer concept for quantum of solace that it's almost disappointing how poor the film was when they start with a strong concept like that. Like what if 
This is not a criminal organization like Bond used to fight in the 60s, like um, uh, Spectre was working with the KGB and everyone kind of knew. They were a secret and nobody knew who was in them and nobody knew who was a double agent, but you kind of knew where your enemies were. The idea that these people were so embedded and so enmeshed that you could be fucking looking at one. M's bodyguard was one of them. That's yeah, the guy. Yeah. She, said, she, she said that he was with her for eight years. Yeah, like that, no idea. That's deep, 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 deep that's cover. Deep Holy cover. shit. So that actually brings me to my favorite part of the movie. Uh, M's bodyguard. M's bodyguard's name is Mitchell. Um, okay. And he's the one who uh, fires at M and James Bond and he frees um, and James Bond goes running after him while Mr. White escapes. And he's the guy that James Bond is pursuing across the rooftops, across those terracotta okay. rooftops, cobblestone streets and stuff. And then they have this fight where they're like pirouetting on the in the ropes on that place that's being remodeled, like in the, in, on the roof or whatever. And that was kind of silly. Like these guys are sort of like trying to fight each other while also holding on a rope. It's like Tarzan or some shit. But what I loved is when they when they fell and they got kind of tangled up and James Bond is tangled up in the rope. He can't quite reach the gun and he's going around in a circle because of the uh, inertia and momentum. And the other dude is like falling and scrambling for the gun. So it's like, who can get the gun first? And then you get this wonderful shot. The guy, the Mitchell guy gets the gun. He starts to aim at James Bond and James just got it. Like just a minute, Bond just got it just off like a hair of a second sooner. And you get this, it's not even because the scene was so silly, but I love the shot of like the camera cuts immediately and James Bond just points right at the camera, boom, and shoots right. like just before the guy could get it off. And the editing, it's the way they build kind of the crescendo and then they cut, cut. And it's like the perfect, they cut to Bond, he fires, they cut and the birds fly off. And it's like, that is a really exciting series of images. It's a really cheesy fight, especially a few seconds earlier when they're like wrestling while holding onto the ropes. I mean, that's silly, right? But then yeah, the right. shots that you get, they compose the shot and Bond is spinning. It's almost like a dance. I mean, it becomes like an opera the way he spins and he turns his momentum. It's like he's not scrambling for the gun anymore. It's like he knows exactly what he's doing. As soon as he gets a hand, hits the gun again, he's able to just gracefully move into position. And when you watch that scene again, I love watching the opening just for that shot. He just gracefully moves into position where he's got the guy in his sights and he shoots and then it cuts. And so the cinematography is, is very graceful. The editing is very graceful, but even James Bond's, the, the way they put it together, they make his movement seem like so um, purposeful. He didn't, he got lucky that he got the gun first, but it wasn't mm -hmm. just luck. I mean, it was obviously he needed the skill. He needed the grace. He needed that physicality to turn, aim, and fire. He only had one instant, one fraction of a second to make the shot, and he, but he makes it. So it's not just dumb luck that he survives. It's a combination, and it, they really made it look quite beautiful, and it's my favorite part of the film. Well, I mean that's that's yeah, that was another good one, but I feel like we're we're big upping a movie that we both kind of are feeling yeah. mediocre about. So I'm going to bring the vibe back down a little bit. <laughs> and how, how can we, you know, I think that we would be remiss to be this far into the episode to not discuss how much of a letdown the Bond girl was. Yeah. After after developing a serious crush and almost falling in love with love, Vesper. Love of his life. Vesper is the love I, of his life. The love of my life, cocksucker. I, I fell in love with that bitch. She was Ava Green, she was baby. I, to the point where I went and I looked up her IMDb to see what the fuck else she was in. And Dude, like, she, okay, gets but, she gets butt naked in Camelot, that show. 
She gets she gets titties out. I just made your motherfucking night, motherfucker. She gets tits out in Camelot. So you go this have fun. This episode is not called butt naked in Camelot. I swear to God, you're doing uh, you're doing dude, everyone. She get service. she get butt naked in Camelot for you. All right, I'm just le- I'm I'm throwing that out there. I'm letting you know she get butt ass naked in Camelot. And the Dreamers, go check out the Dreamers. She made that like five years before Casino Royale. She's even younger, and that's full bush. That's full frontal. She gets butt ass wow. naked. It's called the that's Dreamers. The- and it came out like oh, came out in like oh four oh five yeah that's cinema veritas bring the tissues motherfucker I'm telling you and I'm paying attention I'm but, here for I mean you. it's it's not like this this chick was like the worst person that I've ever seen but I mean yeah. like when you're setting a standard that there's going to be a Bond girl is like it's almost like the song you know like you're setting a standard that yeah. this is you know be the thing and then you get there and I'm like. Huh. You know, like I'm like, oh, so, for a second, I thought maybe she wasn't the girl. I'm like, maybe, you know, like she's just got a prominent part right now. And yeah. then the real one pop in later. And then the other girl that came in was that redhead bra that they dumped in oil. And I'm like, if this is the fucking Bond girl, I'm yeah. really going to so, make some issue with this shit. There are, there are actually quite a few Bond movies where there are two Bond girls. There's sort of like one girl, like the redhead in this one, um, who is Fields. Her real name was Strawberry Fields, but they don't tell you that in the movie. They just say, she just says Fields. Just fields. It's a it's a reference to the the Beatles song "Strawberry Fields Forever." Uh, her I character's know. name is Strawberry Fields. I'm well. I'm saying that for the dipshits listening. So, uh, for the dumb dumbs listening who don't know their music know. history, uh, regardless, uh, she is the um, short lived Bond girl. Oftentimes, the the one the minor Bond girl unfortunately meets a uh, kind of a bad end. Uh, but then there's a main Bond girl who sort of is a little bit more formidable than the the other Bond girl, the minor Bond girl. She usually survives the film. She's more of a uh, serious love interest for Bond. But this one, it was weird with the main Bond girl who um, was played by Olga Kurilenko Kuril- or some shit like that. Her, her last mm-hmm. name is unintelligible. I don't even suggest trying it. People are going to think you're having a stroke. Olga Kurilenko is her name. And it's not that she's not attractive, right? I mean, you thought she was attractive. No, yeah. She's okay. fine. Yeah. I, I don't know, dude. Just, well, she's just, no just, Anna Kendrick, okay? So I'll grant you that. <sighs> Fuck fucking, off, dude. We all weirdo. have a brand. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, you know, apparently yours is basic. Uggs and, sp- and pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks. I'm yeah, just, yeah I'm, fucking there. You're not wrong with I'm that. I'm just saying, you like girls that look like squirrels. And I love it because it rhymes, my friend. <laughs> You do you. You do you, dog. I don't fucking give a shit. You do you. I will. I I will. So it's not that the uh, Olga Kurilenko was was unattractive. She's a very attractive Bond girl. They only get attractive Bond girls. They don't get uh, fat, ugly belugas. I'm sorry. Uh, That's just how they roll. They got to appeal to the 15-year-old boys who are buying tickets as well. So he never sleeps with her. They They don't have any sexual relationship in the movie. It doesn't... They. Every Bond movie, when he, when he, when he, okay. oh no, he fucked the redhead. Yeah, he did. I, I, yeah, yeah okay. he boned yeah, the redhead. Right. He didn't bone the Olga chick. And they were almost more, in that sense, they were kind of setting her apart from other Bond girls in that he wasn't very interested in her sexuality. He was, they kind of partnered up. Like she had her mission, he had his. They, well, I was going to say they had a common bond in yes. the um, the revenge aspect. Like yes. she had her own motive for revenge. Yes. He had his motive for revenge. So they kind of pooled their Precisely. collective revenge narrative. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah. 
their their arc was more of like building a mutual understanding. Like they both saw each other. They both understood that they're like broken humans right now. They're not in a place to start a relationship or anything like that. They're fucked up and they're bent on revenge. But to that end, they could be helpful to each other. So they form a partnership and an alliance. They, they almost were like brother-sister sort of in this movie. It was the vibe that I got off of them. They were there to yeah. help each other out. They were there to accomplish a mission. Um, and then when it was done and they saw each other to safety, they went their separate ways. And um, and I thought that was fine because I don't think – I think one thing that always strikes me as odd about the Bond films is like he's got a mission. He's got the world to save. But this guy is like, all right, I think this nuke can hang out for like 15 minutes while I bang this broad. So I'll be back, guys. I'm going to go fuck this broad first. It's always so weird. It's like why are you spending time fucking these people? You don't got time. You got 24 hours to save the world, motherfucker. You don't have time to lay pipe. That's part of it, though. That's yeah. part of it because it's developing that that bond and that trust. You know, no yeah. pun intended. Well, maybe that maybe that is part of it. But so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, I didn't think this Bond girl was was hugely compelling either. I was going to ask you which one you thought was hotter, the Olga lady or the um, Strawberry Fields, the redhead. Well, the Olga, for, Olga for sure. Okay. I I wasn't sure about the other one, like what her what her spot even was, man. Like she didn't have no business being there to me. No. And that's why she got killed. And M made a point of telling bond, look, you got this bitch killed. She's a, she's not even a field agent. She works in the fucking office. You know, Mm -hmm. she does intelligence. She doesn't get out there and fight people. And you got her ass killed. And bond at that point was just, he's being bond. He's like, I don't give a shit. I don't, what do you think? I care. I'm gonna lose (laughs) sleep. I got some bitch killed after Vesper dies. His whole thing. I mean, How'd you feel about him leaving her when he finally catches the guy? And and keep in mind, Bond has a license to kill. They don't just say that. I mean, like, you have a license to drive, so you can get in a car and drive, and nobody's going to stop you, right? You have a license to do it. He's got a license to kill, quite literally. The government has recognized that he is licensed to end other human human beings' lives, and if he does so, he's not going to get prosecuted. He can kill motherfuckers until that license is rescinded, at which point they do try to do that in this movie. They try to, to, to stop his license to kill. He, instead of killing the dude, it's, it's the guy who set up the love of his life, Vesper, and it's, he was posing as Vesper's lover. So like he got the bone Vesper and he set this whole thing up, put Bond on this trajectory. He's got his gun pointed at him, decides, no, nah, I'm going to let, after killing everybody in this fucking movie. Every lead, I'm going to kill him. He didn't take Mitchell alive. He didn't take Mitchell's contact in, uh, what's his name, alive. He stabbed him in the leg and severed his femoral artery and killed the guy pretty quick. He does, the one guy he's got a really big, the one guy he wants revenge on, I want to kill this guy more than anybody, he lets him arrest him. He just says, MI6, you guys do your thing. I don't care enough about Vesper to even kill this guy, and he throws her necklace in the snow and walks off. How fucking, that's why. This is weird. It was weird. Well, I think that's why we need Quantum of Solace. That's why I think it was important that they made it, and it's important that they made it pick up as soon as Casino Royale ended. And as much as it's very different than Casino Royale, it's like um, heads and tails. They're very different, yin and yang, to please Adam Simmons. Uh, <laughs> they're they're opposites, but they're they're intertwined. And part of the narrative is Bond losing Vesper, 
losing any hope at a normal life and fully committing to uh, what makes him bond, his work at MI6, his nihilism, his uh, wanton disregard for basically any other human life, and uh, his alcoholism. And, and Quantum of Solace brings that back at, at the point where he is disregarding this necklace of Vespers, his last possession that she ever owned, and instead of keeping it as a, a memento of this person that he loved so intensely, he was ready to set aside his whole life to do something with her. He just leaves it in the snow in the middle of the fucking Russia or some shit, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's tough, dude. I mean, it's um, women. Women will do that to you, women. you know? I think... I think it's just he was he wanted to put all that aside. I mean, yeah. the whole thing was about vengeance, but then when it actually came down to it, I think I don't I don't know. That's why he just kind of turned his back on old boy too. You yeah. know, he he won, he won, he won. He, like he yeah. scored. There wasn't no need to spike. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he, at least that's how I took it. But I dig I dig the vengeance vibe throughout the whole thing. Like yeah. because you know I mean like we're we're petty we're petty people. Yeah. You know like. And th- th- this is miles above petty. He actually miles. had a reason for all this shit. So he's got, I mean, a, he's got a good I, reason. I'll tell you what, one of the other things that I really did like about this, I mean, and we're saying a lot of things that we did like about this for a movie that we didn't really care for, but I, mean, I like it's a B minus it's, it's, I, there's still a lot to like, but you just got to weed through some shit to get to it. You know what I mean? So I really, I dug and, and this is like a I think a deeper undertone a little bit, but I dug his relationship with with uh, uh, M. The oh, old lady. yes, yeah, and they. Let me tell you, uh, we're going to get to this more in the ne- in next month's Bond episode. But uh, Skyfall is only going to continue to build on his relationship with M and uh, how kind of complex that is. She takes care of him. She shelters him a little bit. Like you said, they tried to, they tried to, you know, like, uh, shut him down or whatever. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll do that. And then like yeah. on the backside, she's like, yeah, bring, bring that shit up. You know, yeah. like she had him, let him go do his thing. She had him yep. on lock and she was like, I, I almost thought, and I don't know if they ever explain what M stands for, but I almost think it's like maybe M for mom. Cause yeah. she's got like a mother vibe yeah. towards him. You know, it's, it's she not about him stern with him and shit you know yeah it's not but they make that joke like they call her ma'am and and he doesn't you know because they're english they don't say ma'am like we say ma'am over here because we're yankees they say mom I caught that. mom yeah i caught so that at one point yeah and i think they do that intentionally because they want it to sound like mom i mean m m has always been in the series right m m goes back to the very first bond film m has always been a man until goldeneye when they cast judy dench who is the current m um in in a uh, quantum of solace and um they i think it was kind of genius of them at that time to cast a woman in that role because it is a weird kind of blend of uh, like a matronly thing. Like you said, she mothers him a little bit, but she gives him a lot of tough love too. A lot of tough love. Well, she, was taking, she was taking a lot of shit for everything he was doing too. Yeah. She was sitting in her boss's office getting fucking the third degree yeah. because of, you know, things that he did and she yeah. was covering for but then, you know, shit rolls downhill and she gives it back to him. But at the end of the day, there's, you know, like she still trusts him enough to yeah. do whatever he's, he's doing. So I, yeah. I dug that thing because it was like kind of like a, I mean, I guess maybe not so subtle, but it wasn't as in, in your face too. It's like yeah. a, a subplot 
you know, that was yeah. going on there. So it's the a, main thing. It's a good subtext that they don't hit you over the head with, which, um, it sounds like we both appreciate that. I don't, I don't feel like I'm an adult. I'm smart. I don't feel like you need to beat me over the head with the themes of your film. If you weave them in, I will probably pick up on them. If you do a good enough job, you don't have to beat me over the head with it. And you're, you're picking up on it. I, I, and it's very much there. Like that dynamic of her being, I mean, like, are you, are you saying to me, Hey, you don't even have a film degree and you don't even know what you're looking at right now. And you're just looking at it for, with your idiot eyes and you don't even know what you're seeing, but mm-hmm. even you could pick up on it. Is that what you're telling me right now? Yes. And not only that, but <laughs> what I'm, what I'm, I'm not only saying that, but I'm also saying that if you are out there and you're in school and you're studying film theory, like I did, and you're getting a degree in film theory, you're flushing your money down the toilet. Cause Chris over here, he don't got that degree. He didn't fuck. I got a blockbuster degree, baby. I've been watching movies from since the fucking eighties, man. For ninety nine cents for five days, bitch. Precisely. I got a blockbuster Precisely. degree. Made it myself. So change your degree to engineering. Actually, make some money in your life. Don't you don't need a major in film theory. Read a couple of books and watch a couple of movies, and you're gonna understand film theory. And we are gonna be back next month. We're gonna talk about my favorite I'm Bond film. Excited for the rebound. We're gonna set the table with a little pre-show. Uh, next month. So I don't want to say too much about Skyfall, but I will say it is my, it's my favorite Bond film of all time. Um, there are movies like Quantum of Solace where it's not bad. There's a lot of good parts to it, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not a bad film. You, you know, you'll watch it every now and again. You might watch it a few times, whatever, but it's not, you know, whatever. It's just, it's just meh. There are when, f- when old took the ax in the toe, I did laugh. That, that was worth it for me. Yeah. He, he got he got his he got a shoe cut. Yeah, and shit went into his foot. I was like, oh damn, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Hopper too. Seeing old boy Hopper from oh. Stranger Things in, yeah. in a bit part. You recognize him? I didn't enjoy that. I didn't. Well, he was quite a bit younger, uh, yeah. slightly thin, you know. But that that you know that bone structure and that. Yeah. Uh, mustache i mean it's it's unmistakable unmistakable that was about nine years before he made the first stranger things but um but yeah it's a young hopper showed up in the in the film i think that there are there are movies like quantum of solace that are they're just okay but there are movies like uh goodfellas is one for me um wolf of wall street billy madison um there there are movies no i'm being serious there there are movies that like if it comes on like you can't, you, you won't stop. You'll just watch the whole thing. Like you can't stop watching it. They're just incredible films that you'll watch over and over and over again. And they're not, it's not oh. to say that Billy Madison is high art, but it is to say that it's enjoyable enough that you can watch it year after year after year. Um, or if you're flipping and you catch it, you'll watch it from where it is. You know, absolutely. you maybe watch the last yeah. 45 minutes of it or so, whatever. So Skyfall is one of those films. Quantum of Solace is not one of those movies, but Casino Royale is. When Casino Royale comes on, you just you get sucked in. Skyfall is the same way. It's very difficult not to get sucked in. Um, and we're going to talk about that when we talk about Bond next month. You guys, we're getting ready to watch No Time to Die, and it's going to be fucking incredible. Oh, that's what's next? Oh, no, that's the new new. No, that's, that's the, the one we're building up to in November. Yeah. yeah, that's the new note. Okay. So we're doing our we're doing our rewatch now we're to to prepare our anuses and then we're gonna stuff no time to die in there. I hope we're not preparing our anuses to get fucked. Yeah, I mean maybe we're gonna have to see if it, no time to die is any good. I'm crossing my fingers. I am praying to Jesus every night and we're gonna see how it turns out. 
Well, I tell you, I tell you what, though, dude. I said it the last episode, and I'll say it again. I'm glad that you chose to do this with with the Daniel Craig hmm. because not having seen uh, the other the other Bonds, I believe that this, even if I have, this will probably be my favorite iteration of the yeah. character. Just like I, I see the appeal, I see the Daniel Craig appeal. Like yeah. he's he's a likable dude. Like yeah. I'm sure the ladies because he's handsome and then i mean the guys love him because you know he's doing cool shit and we'd like to be that right yeah precisely precisely and i think uh daniel craig is also my favorite iteration i mean there's the classic stuff and i still like watching that for what it is but um the daniel craig bond films really do kind of pull everything together for me um in a way that that the older bonds don't they're still enjoyable but they they're products of their time and i think these are these are very very enjoyable so I mean, even I when I complain about Quantum of Solace, it's, it beats the shit out of Batman v Superman or some shit. You know what I mean? It's a total fucking mess. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, we're not over here begging for the Zack Snyder cut four years later. So, um, <laughs> uh, Chris, where are you from? Where can you tell people to find you and uh, to harass you on the internet? Uh, please come find me on the hashtag no offense show. That's htnos.com, htnos on all the socials. Uh, give us a follow, uh, subscribe to our show. It's my my lovely wife and I, and uh, sometimes friends. And also look for me with this handsome young devil on the creatures of the night. And that is uh, that's our passion project that we absolutely can't get enough of talking about weirdo shit. Am I right? You are absolutely fucking right. Chris is a member of the uh, Inner Circle Podcast Network, HTN NOS. So it shit happens when you party naked. So um, you should listen to the other sh- uh, the other shows on the uh, Inner Circle Podcast Network, like Simmons and More Podcast, like The Plunge Podcast, like The Hood Diner, like Failing Hollywood. If you enjoyed this conversation, especially Failing Hollywood is going to be right up your alley because that's what they do every week. Uh, you can check us out at innercirclepn.com. You can um, check out all the shows there. Links are there. You can check out the Inner Circle Presents RSS feed. Search for Inner Circle Presents in any podcast player that you like to use. That's where you'll find our. Um, that's where you'll find our wonderful network shows like uh, the Winners Circle, like Inner Circle Sports, like Creatures of the Night. Chris and I and Adam Simmons like to talk about weird shit that goes bump in the night. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Shit happens when you party naked, motherfuckers. Here's the goddamn... Here's the motherfucking outro music, bitch. Low voice. I was in the crib when my balls dropped. Earthquake when they hit, bro, they split rocks. Now my girl's hotter than that summer asphalt. If she turn me down, God knows that it's her loss. Baby, what's your number? Baby, what's your name? I'm about to head to my house. You should do the same. I know you like. I don't feel like a professional at all. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Been doing this for two and, two and a half fucking years. I don't know my ass from a fucking.